Perfect. Well, here we are, meeting in a little coffee shop in my hotel in Dubai. I'm so excited to have Iman here. Iman, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Thank you, Dennis. Um, it's a pleasure meeting you the other day at the event. Uh, so glad to um, get to know someone amazing like yourself. Um, and here we are meeting again, but in a more casual way, right? <laughs> Uh, you know me, I, I will just uh, uh, explain myself more for the audience. For the audience. I'm Iman Tala. I'm Head of Experience Design at the uh, Department of Government Enablement, Abu Dhabi. I have been in the CX and UX landscape for over uh, 20 years now. Don't judge me, I'm 25. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be working in prestigious um, organizations like Abu Dhabi government, you know, Dubai government, um, re leading retail companies like Majid Al-Futin, Carrefour. So I got to learn a lot. I'm still learning. Um, I love to, to learn every day, no matter how many years I spend in this field, because it's something I love, it's something I... Um, I practice my everyday life, so I'm eager to learn new stuff every day. Well, speaking of learning new stuff every day, we have this whole new learning ahead of us with artificial intelligence. 100%. You know what's interesting is the it's such a buzzword now, but Google was an algorithm. Yeah. Netflix was using a sense of AI to make some suggestions. For many years, we've had AI, but suddenly when ChatGPT hit last year, everyone, it just reached a critical mass of acceptability. And now, you know, even with all the big news this week about OpenAI, yes. I know that you've been thinking a lot about ethics and artificial intelligence. Yeah. What have you been learning? What, what can we learn from you about this topic? 100%. I remember this quote, uh, Dennis, someone said, unfortunately, I don't remember the name, but uh, he said, um, AI, as we currently experience it, is the worst version of AI. Be why? Because it's still booming. It's still, um, there is a long way for us to learn and for the AI to mature. So now is the perfect time for all of us to learn more about AI. Um, like you mentioned, uh, everyone is talking about AI, but very few talk about ethics, right? And as a human-centric person, um, this always the first thing that comes into my mind when people are talking about AI. AI is amazing, it's providing great capabilities, it's saving us a lot of time and money and everything. But with this comes a great responsibility for us as uh, CX and UX experts to always advocate for the user. Now the users um, are faced by this new technology. Um, a lot of data and information are being taken from them. Yes, with their consent, but not the proper one, how I imagine it to be user-centric. So now, um, this is what I'm learning about every day now, how to protect users, how to keep the services and products human-centric um, with this uh, revolution of AI. 
One of the things that you touched on right there that you've already opened my eyes is so many times when I think about the danger or the benefit of AI, because there's a lot of conversation about it. We, I think a lot of the times I think about the security, the ethics of using it for um, uh, maybe, you know, you, you see some things where they, they trick, trick GPT into telling them how to do things like that. Or I think about uh, security concerns. I think maybe because I watched that movie. I even watched it this afternoon, like the latest version of The Terminator where they were trying to stop. Wow. <laughs> I watched that. It was in the hotel room. Okay. The, but I think... All of the concern I had was about the digital aspect of it. But you're talking about maybe potentially moral moral dilemmas that exactly. we might have. Moral dilemmas, exactly. I like how you phrase it this way, moral dilemmas. Um, here comes always, uh, Dennis. I'm sorry. It's Go okay. Um, some people um, are very skeptical about AI. But I know personally some of my colleagues who are boycotting ChatGPT, literally. They don't want to even use it because they are so scared of it. They are so scared that one day it will take our jobs. This is I'm totally not agreeing with. I always say um, AI is like the Industrial Revolution. Before we used to do very hard jobs. Um, taking a lot of effort and a lot of time from us as humans. And then came the industrial revolution and machines are doing this, right? So we can do more humane-like jobs. This is actually how I see AI. It's not scary. It's something that um, is helping us and will improve our lives. That's why I always say our roles as human will not disappear. We will just evolve. Like everything in life, everything has to evolve, including us, right? So talking about morals, it's um, it's essential, right? Uh, we cannot, as CXers, UXers, we cannot just uh, watch this revolution happening and we don't have an input there advocating for the user and protecting the user. First, I would say, for example, um, transparency. Whatever service or product using AI, there has to be clear transparency with users. What kind of data they are collecting and why? And where the AI is going to use this data? And don't tell me terms and conditions. I hate terms and conditions <laughs> the way it is now. Yeah, it must die. By the way, I'm working now on my recent article on Medium. I name, I, I name it why terms and conditions must die. Because terms and conditions, the way it is, it's only protecting the company. That's right. Right? But the user, how? I mean, I was recently in that event and I asked the audience, there were like 60-something people there. I asked them how many of you actually read the terms and conditions. And the answer was zero. Zero. Yeah. Zero. And they are tech-savvy people. Imagine. So they know that this product or the service is taking data from them and still they don't read it because it's not usable, it's not intuitive. No one have the time if I'm using, um, subscribing to a service, I don't have time to go and read, right? This is number one go-to for me now and my focus on this to revamp the whole terms and conditions. There needs to be a way to actually communicate to users what kind of data we are taking from you. 
uh, why you're using it? How can you stop us any day you want, right, from taking this data? I was talking with a friend. I have an idea yeah. for you. I want to talk off you. Sure. And I also want to, hold on one second. I'm going to just ask this. Okay. <laughs> And I was just asking about the music just to be sure, because you have such a soft voice (laughs) that I was concerned that maybe, but this is why we call it CX in the wild. Yes, it's in the wild. So you you were going to go on to say a bunch of other cool stuff, but you made me just think, you know what I I think you should do for just fun is grab the terms and conditions off some recent... um, uh, something application and run it through GPT and tell GPT to tell you what's wrong or what the concerns are for the humans because that's a way to flip that and that would be great content yeah now we're using AI to detect the AI (laughs) to protect us exactly to protect us exactly that's amazing Dennis yeah it's one of the great ideas that um, my intention is to make it consumable for users not even tech savvy users any kind of users think of the elderly think of the children who who are using uh, the applications here and there the games everything I need to cater that um, the terms and conditions in a way per persona. Per persona, I want to show oh, the terms and conditions yes. in a consumable way. That is brilliant. That that makes so much sense. Why it makes zero sense that yes. one terms and conditions would fit every Everyone. person yeah. a blanket. Exactly. But again, it's, it's a legal protection. Yes. I'd like to go back to the a little bit something you said earlier. <clears throat> And I'll, I'll share some. I'll share this with you. But I have a keyword that you might want to research in your is the lump of labor fallacy. Okay. Have you heard of this? Uh, no. I'll WhatsApp it to you, okay. and I'll send you my my deck on it. Okay. But here's the thing. And this 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 may not apply to your region, okay. but I was looking at it in the United States, mm-hmm. and there's been a study that says whenever there's immigrants or there is a technological change like you mentioned, the Industrial Revolution, there is a fear amongst the people that jobs, they will lose their jobs. And this is called the lump of labor fallacy. And the research actually shows that never in the history of time has anyone lost their jobs because of innovation or from immigrants. And what I think triggers people about AI is we perceive it as both a a technology, but also an immigrant. Yes, exactly. So I'll send you this research. It's for the U.S., but... It's amazing. It's, it's a new perspective. It's a new perspective. I would like to explore more. But but I, this is your show. I just wanted to contribute no, to your journey. The so as we think about the ethics, I love that you're taking on the idea of terms and conditions. So if there was somebody who made a bot, a used okay. AI that just you clicked before you subscribed, you said click this. And it read the terms and conditions for you and summarized them. Yeah, for per, example, yeah. Because if you, let's hear me out, just following your idea. I go in, there's an app. Okay. I go in and I type in my name, I create my persona. Okay. 
And then I just say, this is what I'm getting ready to subscribe to. And GPT runs out, reads it, and says, here's the risk to your persona. As, wow. a, as a woman, you have these risks as a man, as an elderly person like I am versus <laughs> a, a, a school student. You know, you can see the, the variation Amazing. there. That would be an interesting app exactly, to have. Exactly, exactly. That's where AI will actually protect users and uh, will be for the benefit of the user, not only the business. The other thing I wanted to dive into is you talked about this not being the best version of AI. Yes. And I, I have this theory. I believe that we will not in our lifetime see um, GPT 5.0 or 6.0. Okay. Because the amount of data, if you think about it, this next generation being exponentially bigger than this one, yeah. this is, this has, consumed our attention so much yes. that I can't even imagine the technology it would take to get to the next agree. level. So I agree, 100%. Uh, I think, yes, it's, it's, uh, it's our children or the Z generation who will witness this uh, better version of, uh, of AI because it will take time. It will take time to be that mature. Now, for example, um, I want to talk about one more uh, principle I, I'm thinking of for ethical AI. For sure, there are some guidelines there, by the way, from Google, Microsoft, um, OpenAI itself. There are ethics, uh, AI, um, I mean, ethics for AI guidelines. So um, enterprises can follow. But I'm trying to break it down to um, um, consider what's related to user experience and customer experience. One of the things, uh, the points that um, caught my attention is about um, inclusivity. The AI being uh, uh, fair and um, there is no bias in the AI. Let me explain more about this. If the data, how AI works, it, it's, been, it's being fed by data. It um, processes big amounts of data and based on this, it uh, it recognizes patterns, and based on this, it provides like uh, predictive analytics, for example. So it all starts with human. It all starts with feeding the data. So it starts with the data, making sure the data is inclusive, and it's not biased, and uh, represents all user groups. Is crucial, right? Because the output, the output will reflect the input, but in, in a smarter way, right? So here comes again the human role. And you will always hear me in any AI conversation mentioning the human role. This is what I believe, at least. So making sure the data is inclusive, the algorithm, there should be like an audit from a human about how the algorithms are working. Um, is it including all user groups, regardless of their race, color, uh, nationality, whatever? to make sure the AI is actually ethical and not biased. So, on what you're saying is, I agree with everything you're saying in principle. <clears throat> and because I'm with you here in the CX universe, yeah. I think about the implementation of that. And let, let me give you an example of where I think the written word mm -hmm could have benefited or it, we might learn a lesson from this. So 
and I'm very I'm not knowledgeable about the religious boundaries in this part of the world, or I'm not making a statement about religion. But what I am saying is there's an observation that when the Bible was translated from Greek to uh, another language, the, um, the idea of virgin versus pure. So you know you have pure virgin olive oil. Okay. So when you translate it, you could be this you could say this person was a virgin okay. or this person was pure. pure. Yeah. But the different languages create a different context. Yes. And so depending upon how the AI translates the language from one country or society to another, the AI should be helpful in helping us remove the bias or increase the continuity of our understanding. Exactly, 100%. That's an amazing example. Uh, I couldn't agree more on this, Dennis. Um, it will need a lot of work, I, I would say, a lot of supervision from us as UXers in our organizations. Um, I will tell you some, something. Uh, that that would that would actually come to the next um, principle, as I would call it in my mind, which is accountability. Whenever we decide as a team or organization to start using AI in a product or service we're providing, there should be clear accountability for all uh, team members. I would say product owners, uh, developers, designers. So whenever there is like um, a leakage, data leakage, or a complaint from a customer about something, there needs to be a way to actually detect who's the person responsible for this so we can rectify. Um, like, wow. for example, yeah, because if, if um, my team as designers, we know that we are, I will, t I will tell you one example now, I, I remember this. Um, we as designers, we are advocating for um, the user, right? Across all products and services, all right? So if my team as designers, hands-on UX UI designers, they know that while you are designing this uh, screen or something, you cannot hide this unsubscribe option from the user just because the business owner wants to hide it so it makes more, more um, profits by hiding it. Because this is how business think, right? He thinks money, he thinks time, he wants um, profit. He will not think much about the user. But you as a designer know that it's your responsibility. So if we have a complaint from the call center, and that's where comes the end-to-end journey. If we have a complaint from the call center that a user is unable to subscribe and he intentionally called the call center to help him unsubscribe, this is a problem in design, right? So this way is how we make everyone accountable before we ship a product to a user, especially with AI. That was one of the coolest things. <laughs> I, I hear a lot of cool things on this podcast. And one of the reasons I do it is to learn from the rest of the world. Your idea of accountability, because it lets, we can even make that softer. It could be just training in, in, the, in, in, in your educational process. Yeah. There could be more ethical training about what to look for. There could be in your HR 
human resources. There could be building the culture. Then is building the culture of human centric approach. Yeah, that's it. Simple. Right? So, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you where this this has gone. Where we've seen the the, the seriousness of what you're saying. Okay. Are you familiar with the? PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. Yes, for sure. That that yeah. have, are, that's been caused by AI. You know about this in Africa? No, wait. About caused by AI? No, I don't know about this. Yeah. So post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Hear me out. This is where, you know, this is where the human and the machine. It really becomes an interesting uh, moral dilemma. Open AI. Mm-hmm. What they wanted was for people not to get um, um, violent okay. content from yep. the machine. So GPD had gone and read through all the all these things on internet on the internet. You know, there's places like 4chan or Reddit where you can get some pretty like let's call it like scary stories or okay. whatever. And essentially. I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially what happened was they outsourced the moderators to uh, Africa or other places, probably not just Africa. But the point is, there was a team of human beings who had to read through the violent content and tag it. Wow. But then, then they asked GPT, based on that, why didn't you write? the most violent content you can think of so that they could see what GPT was thinking about the violent content. And then the humans had to read through this violent content, which included things that GPT could think of some violent things that you didn't want to read as a human, you know, and, and to, to that's like, that's a, that's a real situation. Do I think those humans, some, someone has to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you, so there, there in lies like this mental health, this wellness, this moral dilemma in some ways and just, wow, there has always been a group of people on the planet who have tried to create human principles mm-hmm. that help us as a global society thrive. Mm -hmm. And I do think that if you have people who um, moderate the evil that can be inside the, 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 the machine, that that's an important balance. I'm talking way too much. No, Dennis, no, I learned a lot from you, by the way. (laughs) Because that was an interesting, yeah, it is. Can you imagine having to read through exactly, the worst Exactly, like you content? mentioned, without moderation, it would be a nightmare. Without moderation, um, I cannot imagine AI without regulations and laws, by the way. Not only, it's beyond, it's beyond us, Dennis, that's what I believe. It's beyond us, it's um, uh, governments in different countries' responsibility to have some laws and regulations to moderate the usage of AI or um, how it operates, how, it's, how it works. Otherwise, I think it will be it will be very bad. Do you, right? do you think do you think one one AI can moderate 
another AI? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Yeah, I, I read that uh, day about um, uh, there is another app uh, that you feed it with the out uh, output of ChatGPT, so it can make it more human, so it will not sound like from ChatGPT. So yes, I, I I strongly believe in this. Oh. Then is there should be or there there will be another AI that will moderate the AI. Yeah, I love that. Why not? So speaking of that, we're, I know you are a very business. I mean, very busy leader in <laughs> in in this part of the world. So I. But did you happen to go to the second day? Did you happen to attend my workshop? With the, the deck of cards um, at the um, unfortunately, event. Unfortunately, no. Okay. I missed it. <laughs> so, so let me tell you, I what I did was I gave a gift okay. to everyone who stayed because it was the last thing of wow. the day. And here was the gift. Recently, as you know, GPT opened up my GPT. Yes. So I spent 10 hours feeding it all of my blogs. Wow all of my research, all of my writing, all of my personal content, my strategies. Amazing. I taught it how to do CX as well as I could in 10 hours before the show. Okay. And this is why it's important to you. I'm in the process now. I have, I think, around 60, 65 podcasts. I'm feeding the transcripts of all 65 podcasts wow. into the um, my version of my GPT okay. so that you can go on and you'll get the benefit of 60 other leaders like yourself, the conversations oh, wow. I've had inside it all around customer experience. Wow. So I can simply ask about something and it will return the answer it from will be, your podcast. It will be, it will, it, yeah, it will return wow. the context based on as much of my personal material That's that I can put in there, including Hours Impressive. and hours of podcasts. Wow, this is getting cool, right? More uh, cool. And, I, and I can send you a link to <laughs> yes, it now please. if you want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. please. Uh, what's I'd love you? to try this, yeah. That's impressive, Dennis. That would be like a um, wealth of knowledge. A gift? It's a yeah, gift. It is. It is, yeah, 100%. The, yeah. Amazing. So... So, so you're, 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 you're following through this path of ethics. It, does that... Yeah. How do, you, how do you manifest this work? You said you're, you're creating content on Medium. Yeah. And do you, how does this impact your, 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 your daily work, daily life? Do you want to talk at all about the yeah. work that you're doing? Yeah, sure. Well, currently what I'm doing, um, since we are actually, I will not be able to expose what actual of projects course. Yes, we're working yes. on because, you know, it's a government. Yes. So, um, but we are... Um, and let me Go just on. say this. Yeah, sure. I have a safe word for the podcast, which is pass. Okay. So if, if, I, <laughs> no, if, no. If, if I ask a question that becomes, because sometimes people work with brands and they're yes. under confidentiality. I know you and the government. You, yes. So if I ask something, you can just say pass and we'll just move to the next question. Okay, sure. Okay. Uh, no, this one is fine. Actually, what I'm doing, um, um, I'm having um, like um, monthly workshops. Uh, across the organization where I talk about AI and AI in the context of CX. And one of the sessions was about the ethics of AI. This is one thing. The other thing is I'm always talking to my team about it. Like whenever I do the design reviews, uh, whenever we have workshops, design thinking, I always remind them about how and why we need to be ethical while we are designing, right? 
this reminds me of a story, Dennis, um, back in the days when I was still doing hands-on work in UX and UI. I will not mention the company, okay? Uh, so um, we, we were offering some kind of uh, subscription service. And um, there was, we needed to link the user card, credit or debit card, so we, they can auto-subscribe. Yeah, they, they, they need to save their card options. And uh, I remember I was asked by the product owner that uh, we need, like literally, this is what he asked me, we need to hide um, the option for the user to delete their linked card because we want them to um, to stay with us and stay subscribed whatsoever. So for sure, I, I, um, I pushed back on this, like, I will never do that. It's not ethical. Even before AI, it's... It's, uh, it was just a, a regular subscription service. So we had this back and forth, back and forth, and I convinced him, and we did a research. How I, I did like um, a research, I, I went to the customers, and I asked them, if you are subscribing and you're unhappy with the subscription, what you're going to do, where were you, are you going to go on the app to unsubscribe? And to find it really struggling for them to unsubscribe, they got really frustrated and they said, whenever we unsubscribe, we will never return to subscribe again. Coming back with these results to the PO, showing him, okay, look, you cannot force people to do something, right? You can um, maintain customers only by being transparent and offering good services to them. But this kind of dark pattern UX is not, is never working, never, never did actually, and never will. So I think, I think uh, a good UXer by nature will be ethical. Um, so putting a, uh, with AI coming in the picture, they will be more aware and more. Um, uh, I mean, keen to be more ethical since AI is taking more data from the users. So they, this will be on top of their priorities as a good UX, I would say. And to your point, that uh, those ethics extend in the all they they can your idea of morality across the board in all of these customer experiences, certainly a new idea that I'm grateful to have talked to you about on this podcast. Before we go, can you tell me what you think is going to be the big thing in 2024? What, what, what are you going to pay attention to? Um, yeah, I think the big thing will be hyper-personalization. We see actually now some kind of personalization, which is uh, whenever you go to e-commerce app, your social media apps, you see content that's related to you, right? But what I, because sometimes, let me say it, say it this way, sometimes you get your um, recommendations, but um, it's like, how, how do I phrase this? It's like uh, flooding your feed, right? And for example, the other day, I ordered some flowers through Instagram shop. And just immediately, I see my feed is flooded with flower shops. I mean, the shop is done already. I'm not interested, at least now, for, for buy, to, to buy any flowers. So, so it's like what I imagine it to be, that the AI or the personalization will be smart enough to recognize that not, not because I spent... 
you know that even the AI can um, trigger that um, if you pause and you look for some time at an ad or a post, it will show you relevant, even without you having to interact with that post or ad, you know? You know that, without even hitting like or comment or anything. Just because you stop the scrolling for f- and you're looking at this post or whatever for a few seconds, it will start, actually, it will recognize that you're interested in this context and it will start um, showing you relative content. But sometimes it's annoying, Dennis. Sometimes it's really annoying. I mean, I'm not the same person I was yesterday. Like, yesterday I was interested in jewelry, but today I already bought it offline from some shop. And now I want to see my friends' feeds. And this is how I imagine um, the big thing will be in 2024. Hyper-personalization will be smarter. Because now it's like a child, you know? Like, if you give it a sweet, it will want sweet all day. No, it's not like that. It shouldn't be like that. <laughs> so... Yes to everything you're saying. I love TikTok. Okay. When it first came out, I thought it was one thing, but now I realize that it's a very advanced and very savvy uh, algorithm yes. for these personalized analytics. And I feel like it's, it's interest-based, so it's so much better than anything we've ever seen before. It is. But, but to your point, I don't know how I got on this, but I saw a, uh, a, uh, a little video of okay. a baby goat, you know, baby goat playing. Okay. <laughs> and so I, I, of course, it was just cute. Yeah. So I sent the link, I sent it to my wife. Okay. Because she, she likes animals. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, this is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> but now it's like my whole feed is like exactly. baby animals, exactly. like baby yeah. kittens, baby goats. So it's preventing you from... Uh, exactly. It puts you in a bubble. Like, it, yeah. it like keeps you in a bubble. Like, come on, just show me the world. I want to see the world. I, 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 yes, because yeah. what I really want is... And I think you can do this. I haven't done it yet. But in TikTok, I think you can tell it to start the algorithm over. Like, if it gets too far, oh, okay. you can say, clean out my cache and, like, let me start over there again. There is this option? Yes. Oh, wow. I... Please tell me about it. Okay, the one more thing I gotta, I should, I, I'm gonna have to listen to this podcast wow. for the list of things. But I'm glad you clarified that because I, I heard a lot of people here in the Middle East talk about hyper personalization. Yeah. And I don't hear that in, in the other countries. I don't hear people say that. Okay. So I was curious what that meant. Like, is it a buzzword? Like, what does that mean? But what I think you're really saying is accurate. Personalization is that exactly accurate personalization exactly yeah that's a great thing so so in summary you you have a interest and vision for applied ethics in the roles of CXers across the board you even are thinking about accountability yep. And by that, you don't mean they should get in trouble or no. what you really mean is the human should be have an awareness and a connection to the technology exactly. that lets them understand their role in the symbiosis. That as humans and technology become closer, the way to create ethical or moral or even safer or maybe um, a greater benefit for all of humankind is to 
let the humans who make the things be part of its evolution by giving them transparency to what's what their role in the whole production yeah, was. And I think that's a beautiful idea. You you were also talking about making the helping the conversation around personalization become more accurate. So I just for all these things, I appreciate you and your time. You've spent so much Thank time you, today. Dennis. Thank you so much for being Thank on you. the show Thank today. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dennis. I hope we meet again. Thank you.